If you ask somebody what design means, they'll tell you it's a solution to a problem, which is the broadest definition in the world. Right. But for some unknown reason, we put it back to pixels. And it's, I just think it's so narrow-minded. Because um, it's just, there's so many deeper parts of it. And some people will call that rule strategy or PM or whatever it is, but it's it's design. You can call it, it's design. Right. And that sort of theory goes against everything if you went to design, design school that you learned. Because, like, the, nobody in design school teaches you about ethics, like... Right. Or about, like, what it means or how it scales. Like, that's not stuff you learn. You learn the, the basics of the stuff. I'm Haley Wolf, and I'm Maura Conley, and you're listening to Handful of Wheel. Today, we're talking to writer, designer, and strategist Robin Kanner. Robin's worked as a designer for companies like Amazon and Etsy, is the co-founder of MyTrans Health, and is an avid tweeter. During our car ride, she spoke at length about what it takes to be a creator, why more designers should consider big picture thinking, and why she considers all of her projects in terms of music. We set off on one of the first truly warm summer nights of the season in search of a cup of coffee. Uh, um, can we get some coffee? Yeah, let's get some thing? coffee. Let's get some coffee. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. uh, how was everyone's day? day was pretty- I first became aware of Robin's work through social media and quickly discovered that in addition to co-founding MyTrans Health, an online directory of vetted healthcare providers that makes finding medical care easier and safer for trans people. She's also an accomplished designer, writer, and artist. And like that isn't enough, she's also a total badass. Um, also, sorry for your video. I have a scab on my lip. I got hit by a car this week. I saw that, <laughs> so. yes. Uh, on your Twitter, we saw it. What happened? Oh, um, I was biking, and the car... I was in the bike lane, and the car just sort of, like... So I smacked into the car. And I went the car flying. like turned while you were headed straight. Yeah, how's yeah. the recovery going on that? I mean, good. I for sure had like a light concussion, but like, <laughs> I, I took the day off, oh. um, and then I I worked the next day, okay. um, and then like by last night it was like, I don't know, ten, and I was like, my mind doesn't work anymore. I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> Something both Maura and I could tell right off the bat with Robin was that she was totally open and ready to talk to us, which is, like, the coolest part of this podcast, in my opinion. I reach out to guests whose brains I want to pick, and while it takes some people a little bit to warm up, Robin seemed as amped as we were to be in the car. It didn't take very long for us to start discussing what would become the overarching thread of both our conversation and Robin's work. Music. Every actually. single song was considered in that playlist. Yes. That whole yeah. thing is, like... The full lockdown of everything is considered on that playlist. Awesome. So wait, do you would you prefer it in that order and only in that order? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, set it yeah, up. Good. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, that's like my, those are my. Favorite. It has full rhythm. That's... Like it has full rhythm. I start with LCD sound system losing my edge. Okay. Um, and that is a very uh, considered decision, um, because that album I listened to a lot when I was sort of younger mm-hmm. and yeah this is like the full 
we get the whole See, list. We hit yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Our yeah, no, this is a fully yeah. considered thing. Yeah. So, uh, wow. so to lose my edge, James Murphy gave this um, interview. The whole thing was just like about his failing, and like usually I hate failure stuff, but especially by white dudes, yeah. I'm like this is gonna be the worst. Um, <laughs> but he talked like in it's like this like ten minute long thing. If you like just Google James Murphy like failure, you'll find it. Um, but he talks about basically how, like, he was sort of a fuck-up and didn't do, like, anything, and he was sort of mm-hmm. lost, and um, he was really mad all the time, and he really wasn't making anything, and um, sort of, like, that frustration of feeling like you should be doing doper things than you are, right. which is, like, something that so deeply resonated with me. Um, so I first watched that interview in, like, 2013, and he talks about how, like, he wrote Losing My Edge because he finally started to do things, and then he went to this club and somebody else was playing his records, and he was really mad about it, but he had, like, no right to be mad about it. Yeah. Um, and then he made this song that was, like, really funny about sort of, like, losing his edge. Like, oh, he's like, I was cool. I played these records first. Um, and it was, like, a really sarcastic song, and everybody at his label hated it except for, like, one person. Um, and one person was like, you got to put that, that record on. Um, so they, they ended up playing that and, uh, it's like the saddest but dopest thing ever to break out as like a lead single. Um. So this deep dive into the backstory of the first track on a playlist she put together for an hour and a half ride with two strange women through Brooklyn, it set the tone for the rest of our conversation. As Robin says, she isn't a casual liker of things and that makes for great conversation. I don't like... I don't like things casually. Like, I like them so fully. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every time I like something, I'm like, I have to tell you, like, every, like it's like the, the fan who, like, really loves Celia Dan, but you don't care about Celia Dan, but they'll still talk about <laughs> Celia Dan for hours. I'm that person with, like, anything I like. I feel like it's, like, this bit, especially in the last, like, year or so, where I've started to meet a lot of the people that I used to stand, and, or still do stand, but, like, actually now know on, like, a shit post level. And I feel, like, a little bit, like, I'm like, I don't, do I really want to just, like, call this person's work? Um, but I'm like, no, I, I love this person's work. This is great. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really love Losing My Edge by LCD Sound System. <laughs> this is, like, a live version of Just look to your right Twitter. really quick for a nice moment. Oh, this is really good. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, that dude's been doing yeah. it. Yeah, right. He's like, you see me? You see me? Pick up the train, you know? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> the night of this ride was balmy and summery. Really the perfect temperature. And there were a lot of people out enjoying the evening. If you've never experienced Brooklyn in the summer, you're missing out. Much like Robin is not a casual liker, New Yorkers don't do hot weather casually. When the temperatures rise, people are out and about, and there are no rules. And in case you're wondering, that end bit had us all waving at a man making his way down the street dancing with a giant light-up boombox on a cart behind him. He gave us a thumbs up. As a creative person trying to figure their shit out, I always want to hear what inspires our writers. The origins of their work, creative drive, and passion to make things is something I find to be endlessly fascinating. Proof positive that reaching outside comfort zones, interacting with the things we find strange, compelling, or difficult, can yield the most rewarding experiences. As we made a beeline to Manhattan that night, Robin shared with us some of her sources of inspiration. Like, in the beginning of our conversation, music came up pretty much immediately. Yeah, music was number one. I didn't read books when I was a kid. Like, okay. I wasn't, like, a person who, who read books. Um, I, I, I didn't really play video games. I didn't, like, 
watch a ton of TV, um, but I did listen to music, like, a lot, um, and sort of locally, there was this band in, uh, the city called Portland, Maine, and I grew mm. up in Fairfield, Maine, which is, like, two and a half hours north, but Portland is, like, the, the bigger city, mm-hmm. and, um, there's this band called Six Gig, who played, like, this, like, post-hardcore style of music, mm-hmm. um, and... They uh, put up this record called Mind Over Mind that just, like, floored me at my, like, 15-year-old. It just, like, it was really just great. And I sort of attached with this um, this sound. And this guy who sang in it, his name's Walter Craven, is this designer. Um, and he was, like, probably the first designer that I look up to. Like, at a very young age, he did, like, all this, like... He was really into texture, and he was a really great illustrator, and he had, like, this sort of distinct style and not a lot of people in Maine were doing that work mm-hmm. um and so he was doing that and he sang in a band the guitar like I just thought Walter was like the coolest person alive mm-hmm. um so that was sort of the beginning root and then like as I got older I got you know deep into like Elliot Smith and like a lot of Jeff Buckley was like huge for me um and found sounds to to be to be good and then later got really obsessed with lyrics, so. After spending time in a few different major cities in the States, growing her practice as a designer and creative, Robin decided it was time to move to New York. As is the case for many creatives, a life in New York City was a particular goal of hers because you just can't beat the connections. Um, yeah, I knew New York was home. Um, I There was people here that I really wanted to collaborate with, um, I, I sort of, like, I put everything in, like, album cycles. So, like, um, like my trans health felt like an album to me. Like, when I made that, I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is, like, the thing and this album and whatever. Um, but I felt like that was sort of, like, one of my last albums. And I was just like, I really haven't put an album in a long time. That's not good. Um, so coming to New York, like, a large bit of that was, like, I really want to write, write an album. Like, metaphorically write album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, your the whole body life is, work. like, music terms. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. like, it's always been sound, mm-hmm. like, um, that I, I connect to things to. Like, sometimes, like, I, like, I go full deep into it. Like, sometimes I look at, like, a piece of work, and I'm like, oh, this is a single. This is a mixtape. This is an album. Like, yeah. and I'm able to see, like, the picture, big picture of it. Like, yeah. when I started, like, I do this series on Instagram, like, called I Wish I Told Myself. I, like, write emails to myself. And I'm like, these are singles. Like, I look at them, yeah. I was like, they're, like, they're not throwaway content, but, like, it's just sort of passive content that you interact with and you see it for three seconds. Right. Um, so it's like, very it much a single. Like, it doesn't have to go anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, in order for you to feel satisfied. Totally. Like, they, it has this thing, lives Stand in its alone. moment. There it is. Right. It's complete. Yeah. yeah. It, like, there's no, it's not super high level, it's just clever, kind of, and, like, that's it. Um, yeah. So it very much feels like a single. Whereas, um, like, my trans health is, like, its oh, own. Yeah. It's complete. It's, took, like, a whole... Took two years. It was a whole thing. Yes. And um, that was a collaboration. Yeah, it was a collaboration. There was four of us. Yeah. Four? Yeah. How was working with four people? It was such <laughs> a massive project. It was right. good and um, also exhausting, and um, I'd do it again. Right. I mean... We, it was our first big project, um, and I think it was much bigger than any of us thought was going to happen. This concept Robin is outlining about singles, albums, and mixtapes was so intriguing to me, especially in the context of how varied her body of work is. Robin is an artist who is unafraid of scope. 
Some of her projects are massive, intended for a huge audience to interact with. And some are neatly packaged thoughts delivered directly to your inbox. A private moment, a simple reflection. I thought this diversity in her work had to be a product of collaborators. Projects naturally change as more people become involved. So who was it that Robin worked with? What attracted her to the rest of the bandmates on these mixtapes? Basically, all my friends want it all. Like, I, I, <laughs> I don't have many friends who don't want everything. Okay. Like, I have a... I won't mention his name, but I have this friend who's a writer, and uh, he was pretty gone the other night, and um, he texted me at, like, 4 a.m., and I didn't respond, and then I texted him at 8 a.m., and he was still awake. And he was like, I can't believe I'm still awake. And I was just like, holy shit. Um, so he starts texting me all these secrets. He's like, do I know all these secrets about my life? And I was like, <laughs> sure, yeah, why not? Um, That's a yes. And he, and he was just like, so the biggest secret is not is that I'm not humble. I, I want everything. And I was like, that's not a secret. Like, I, I knew that from when we first met. Like, Why do you think we're friends? Yeah, I was just like, it was like you're not, like, obviously you want it all. Like, I, I mean, I have a tattoo that literally just says want it all. Like, trust me, like, I get it. Um... So it was just sort of like the funniest thing ever to be like, yeah, dude, that's not a secret. Like, everybody wants it all. You think you're like playing it cool, but yeah, you're it's really like, not. Which is fine. I mean, like, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty rad thing. Because um, when you want it all, you make different decisions than when you don't. Like, if like, it all comes down to like how you approach the work mentally. And it's not to say that like, you have to live and breathe and die at work, but like, there's this bit of anxiety that happens when you say that you want it all and then Mm -hmm. you end up just sort of like making decisions you otherwise wouldn't have made if you Mm -hmm. if you didn't want it all you could just casually make this thing for a lot of people that's not the gig like for years i had friends especially in maine the city that i love but like the people who stay there like generally are not like they're not reaching like their life depends on it um and or if they are, they're doing it in a, they get in a very, very different way than I was doing it. Um, but I'd have all these conversations with the people that I'd leave school with who were like, I thought were just so much smarter than me. Like, I was such a fuck up in college and high school. Like, it was garbage. Um, so I was just like, well, these people are going to leave and do the dopest shit ever. Um, and they didn't for the most part. Like, they, they just sort of stayed and, like, they made home. And, like, and if that makes them, like, the happiest thing ever, I, I love that. Um, right. But for me, I look at it still, and I'm like, what about that hour? Like, there's, yes. there's like, that part of that me. That potential. Yeah. 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 So that's sort of what makes me annoying <laughs> to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Wanting it all. A lot of people, like, want it all just in a very different context. Like, to, it yeah, all for yeah. them means something different. Um, it doesn't make me different or whatever. It's just, like, they just have a different understanding of what wanting it all is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting it all yeah, is something we Maura and I discuss a lot. Like, especially in relation to our roles, or in my case, potential role, as mothers, professionals, creatives, family members, and friends. In a broad sense, I find these conversations to be frustrating. They produce no certain answers. Can I have it all? Who knows? Perhaps the answer is in the pursuit. Regardless, if you hit all these goalposts, whoever you are, you need to think ahead, look to the future, probably make spreadsheets, How did that relate to the minute work of a designer? Someone who could easily spend a week just adjusting a font. Robin explained. 
with designers, especially designers, um, if you really look at design, it is a very detail-oriented profession that has traditionally lacked at big picture thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, that's why we have a lot of the problems that we have. Um, because we hired and we created a set of designers who can make great pixels, but like for the life of them, don't know what an ethical decision is. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a, I think that's a huge problem. And I think that when companies hire designers, they don't, they don't hire for ethics, right? They hire for like color yes. and type and hierarchy and like communication and like, do, are we friends? Like, so people can get like traditionally really afraid of people who like aren't friendly or don't play, play the course. Um, and big picture people often like have a tendency to annoy people that just want to get to like the nitty gritty of something. Um, so I am that and it's, um, it's worked to my benefit in a large part of life, but it's also like really hindered like a large part of like, what would make me a good designer too? Yeah, like, well, yeah. what are you? Are you bumping up against people, or are you bumping up against concepts? Um, I'm bumping up against ideology. Yeah, right. right yeah, it's right. like it's a it's a set of systems. Like for yeah, if you ask somebody what design means, they'll tell you it's a solution to a problem, which is mm-hmm. the broadest definition in the world. Right. But for some unknown reason, we put it back to pixels. Right. Um, and it's, I just think it's so narrow-minded because um, it's just there's so many deeper parts of it. And some people will call that role strategy or PM or whatever it is, but it's it's design. You can call it whatever. It's design. Right. Um, and that sort of theory goes against everything if you went to design, design school that you learned because, like, the, nobody in design school teaches you about ethics. Like, right. Um, or about, like, what it means or how it scales. Like, that's not stuff you learn. You learn... Like, you, you take it, it takes a long time to learn a talent, right? And then you're mm-hmm. just like, okay, well, like, now I've learned that talent, so do I want to tell my story? Do I want to tell somebody else's story? Yeah. And then, like, finding that balance, I think, is super hard for people if they don't know where they sit in that conversation. So, yeah. Like, I don't know if this thing is about me and, like, this one sort of moment that I'm trying to expand on, or if it's about this other thing that I saw in passing and that's just it. Like, it's just, like, yeah. somebody else and that's it. Um... I'm pretty sure every song I chose in my playlist is, like, very insular. Mm. Like, I have, like... It's, like, I have, like, Liability, which is, like, super insular, like, Lord Song. Um, Losing My Edge is super insular. Lua by Brad is super insular. Um, so all the songs that, and the, the stories that I gravitate to is people um, very much looking inward and then, like, compiling it all and giving it back out. As right. opposed to, like... You'd be like, oh, there's this person on this side of the street of, like, Alan and Delancey. So, like, I can write a narrative about their life. Because, like, <laughs> like yeah. it's like, yeah, I could do that. But I could also tell you about this the other night. But, like, it's like, if you, there's a moment, right? We've been in this car for, like, an hour. So, like, if you wanted to tell a story about it, like, the way you could do it is, like, you could take the full hour and you listen to the whole thing. Then you take, you have to find that one moment that you're really interested in. Like, maybe it's, like, half hour ago we said something interesting for... 15 seconds right. and you take that 15 seconds and you re-expand it so it's like this weird process of telling a story where like you start out here you go back down to like the, the lower part and then you mm-hmm. bring it all the way back and you stretch it super far um, and that's the that's the moment that's, that's the, the thing that's the story um, it's, yeah it's about that. like compression and opening up yeah and yeah, yeah. it's wild it's just this weird balance of like expand compress expand compress yeah yeah. Um, and you get this weird moment that has like 
vivid details and it's particular and like right. yeah because you, you take like you take this full story and you condense it and you bring it back out so when you bring it back out you're able to tell the details of like a a gloss on a car or whatever it is like all the micro moments end up being critical to the story because you because you've condensed it into one moment that you want to tell um I love that shit yeah it's so detail oriented but also yeah picture totally. it's everything it's that balance yeah <laughs> and that, the more, there's the balance totally and I think sometimes I'd like I'll talk about like detail the big picture and like people will think that I'm shitting on detail oriented stuff I'm like no, no it needs both yeah. It, yeah. And, but the thing is is the way you talk about detail so passionately is, is how I talk about big picture so passively right. but it's, it's it's not normal to do that yeah. so like it comes off weird when I talk about big picture a ton um, but it's not weird it's just that you the way you talk about the details of this typeface is the way that I talk about this thing yeah. and we both need each other to tell something um that I just think that's where the good stuff comes. Yeah. Wow. I uh, excited about New York just being here, like as a person. Mm-hmm. We're designed at one point about like a like a do or die thing. Now it's much broader in storytelling, and I'm starting to fear that design's lost the weight of its word and yeah. like sort of having a complicated relationship with how we ended up where we are in the profession like in the field yeah. design yeah what's taking you there? I mean the election was big for me um, I think as much as design helped to get us Barack Obama in office it also brought Donald Trump in office mm-hmm. Designed for me, it was this thing that like saved my life in a lot of ways. Like it was a thing that I stayed up and learned how to do. Is you know, it got me out of Maine. It did all these things for me, um, and it felt like I just got hurt by it a lot. Um, and I never really figured out how to get over that because it just it just hurt. Um, I felt like it was going to be healthy for me to not actually physically break up with professional design, but just write about breaking up with it. Like yeah. just write a bunch of essays about like what it's like to like get hurt by this thing that. It, it just meant a lot to me. Right. Um, yeah. I told myself that I wanted to... Like, once once my trans health was, like... I mean, it's not done. I've actually... I redesigned it. Uh, I just haven't posted it yet. Um, but... Uh, mentally, that work is very much, like, kind of wrapped up in a neat little bow for me. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, I'm really like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, well, I really want to fucking tell love stories. So, yeah. like, over the last year and a half I've probably figured out a million different ways to tell different love stories and like that's sort of like where my head's at nice um so I'm excited to tell some love stories is that an album or is that some singles uh both cool alright I got this um uh my name is Robin Kanner please remember to wear protection when you have sex and also consent is good too and by good I mean important and by important I mean necessary thank you bye (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Thank you. Got it. Nailed it.